I think it would be safe to say that Psalm 23 is probably the best known chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, It's the favorite and probably the most beloved psalm of the 150 psalms that we have. And the 23rd psalm is probably the most often quoted psalm. Uh, I think as a child, most of us, whatever our church relationship was as a child and even growing up, we heard the 23rd psalm somewhere. Most of the time we go to a funeral, that's what we hear read at funerals. And that's an appropriate place to do that, but we'll deal with that part next week. Uh, So... The Bible, if you read through the Bible and you pay close attention, you'll see that the Bible is filled with metaphors, pictures, and images of God. For example, God is compared to a lion, an eagle, the sun, a light, a fire, a fountain, a rock, a hiding place, a tower, a shield. There are also more personal as well as human images to help us comprehend God. He's called the Creator. He's called the Bridegroom. A husband, a judge, a king, a physician, and of course, one that we probably know God more about than anything else is God the what? The Father. Each of these metaphors is intended to describe to us what God is like. And yet, none of them are to become exclusive. We're not to focus upon just one single of these metaphors. If we do so, we reduce our understanding of who God is and what He's like if we do that. In Psalm 23, we discover that God is referred to here as a shepherd. David uses the most intimate metaphor for God that he can think of. The Lord is my shepherd. In this psalm then, David thinks about God as if he, David, were a sheep. I picked up on that this week. David is looking at God and he's thinking about God and he's thinking of himself as if he, David, were a sheep. This is a sheep's view of God, if you will. In a sense, this is the psalm of a sheep. It's a sheep's point of view about how he would how he would describe God. The sheep says, "God is my shepherd." He shows compassion. He shows concern, protection, and guidance. David says again, "The Lord is what my church is my shepherd." If you notice in Psalm twenty-three, this is a very personal psalm. As we go through it, you'll see that. There is no we or us or they, but my, me, I, he, and you. This gives us evidence of a personal experience with God here. And with that said, here's the main idea. If you're looking at your handout, is this. What the sheep of the Lord's flock experience. This will be a two-part. Part one this week and part two next week. So, looking at your handout, here's what we have in verse one here. The Lord's sheep experience contentment. We all want contentment, do we not? We live in a world that's just full of chaos and everything. We all look for contentment. The Lord's sheep experience contentment here in verse 1. Notice what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's interesting. Every time I repeat that, I can see the lips moving. The Lord is my shepherd. People repeating that back. David introduces us to the shepherd and he calls him what? What does he call the shepherd? He says he is... The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. David uses the name here for Lord, the Old Testament name, Yahweh. It literally means, I am who I am. The name refers to God's self-sufficiency and His timelessness. The Lord doesn't need anything. That's what that name means. He doesn't need to be served. He doesn't need to be helped. He doesn't need to be worshipped. But church, He's worthy of our worship, is He not? He doesn't need anything. The Lord, Yahweh, is self-sufficient, self-centered, self-sustaining. 
That's what that name means. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. There's almost a play on words here. The God who doesn't need anything takes care of everything we need. He doesn't need anything, but yet He takes care of us. David is emphatically personal. Notice here, he says, the Lord is... Whose shepherd is He? He's my shepherd. Shepherds do several things. They protect and guide. They show compassion and concern. David, in effect writes, the great, all-powerful, self-sustaining, timeless God has stepped into my time and my space, and He's become my what? He's my personal shepherd. He's my personal guide, protector. He's my personal leader. The Lord, He is my shepherd. The Lord is mine. Here they, if you're a Christian, we can say that. God is mine. He belongs to me. He's my God. That's what David is saying here. I believe in the psalm as well as others. The shepherd here is referring specifically to Jesus. I believe that's who the shepherd is here. Uh, the Bible on numerous occasions describes Jesus as a what? A shepherd, right? We read the New Testament in particular. John chapter 10 verse 11 says, He is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Hebrews thirteen twenty says, He's the great shepherd whose blood inaugurates the, the new covenant. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he's the chief shepherd. I have to be reminded of that a lot of times. As a shepherd of God's people, that I'm an under-shepherd. And Jesus is the chief shepherd. David says here, the Lord is my shepherd. And here's what I want you to understand. The Lord is my shepherd is not a blanket statement here. Not everyone has Jesus as his personal shepherd. Not everyone has Jesus as his personal shepherd. This, this is not a statement that can be read. It's just a blanket that can be thrown over everyone. In John chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. Let me read these verses to you. The Jews who were gathered around Jesus. Here's what they said to Jesus in this particular situation. If you are the Christ, the Christ meaning the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that God is going to send to redeem his people. They said, if you are that person... Tell us plainly. In our, in our language, give us the bottom line, Jesus. Don't speak in riddles or, you know, give us visions, but just tell us the plain truth. Give us the bottom line. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And listen how Jesus replies. I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness to me. Jesus said, the miracles that you've seen me do, they bear witness. They testify of me that I am what? I'm the Christ. I am Him. Then Jesus says, But you do not believe, because you are not of My sheep. My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. It's pretty clear there that in order to have Jesus as your shepherd, to be called one of His sheep, you must be what? You must believe on Him that He is what? He is the Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer of all mankind, the Redeemer, the one who comes to lay down His life, to live a perfect life, to die in the place of sinners on the cross. On the cross, Jesus took the penalty we deserve for our sins. He stood in the place of sinners. Jesus says, in order to be one of my sheep, in order for me to be your shepherd, you must believe on me. I think it's worth noting that Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22. You're going, well, duh. I didn't study it, and I can figure that out. 22, 23. And oh yeah, 24 will come after that. The reason I bring that up to you is not because of the, the numbering sequence there. 
Psalm 22 is about Jesus. We know this. Make yourself a know this. We know this because if we read Matthew chapter 27, we see Psalm 22 quoted by Matthew and he's applying it to Jesus. Read Matthew 27 and you'll see from about verse 6 down to about verse 22 or 20 of uh, Psalm 22 that Matthew quotes everything in there and he applies it to Jesus. So Psalm 22 is about Jesus. In Psalm 22 we see the Messiah forsaken of God and He bears our sin on the cross. And then in Psalm 23, what's the first line, church? The Lord is my shepherd. You see how important to make note that 23 comes after 22 for that reason? Here's some application for you here. The first step to you being content is to know Jesus as your personal Savior. Only then can He be your shepherd. He cannot be your shepherd, your guide, your protector, your leader, unless you know Him personally as Savior. You must believe in Him as the sacrificial substitute who died on the cross of your sins. Before you can know Him as the Good Shepherd who meets your every need, you must know Him as Savior. That's the only way He can be shepherd. You can't read Psalm 23 and say, The Lord is my shepherd, unless He is your Savior. You can't have Jesus as shepherd just because you read that psalm. You must repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as the Christ as the Savior, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. Remember, Jesus says, they said, just tell us, Jesus. If you're Him, tell us. And Jesus says, I'm Him. But you don't believe. Then Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And they know me. I am their shepherd. Notice how David ends verse 1 by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. What does he say? I shall not want. I don't know about you, but most of you have memorized Psalm 23, at least that first verse, right? I shall not want. You shall not want because who? Jesus is Savior and because He is what? Shepherd. What does that mean? One little boy was quoting this verse to his Sunday school teacher. And he got his words turned around and he said, The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. That's a good, I mean, that, theologically, that's what that verse is saying. That's a great paraphrase. The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. That's what Jesus is... The Lord is my shepherd. That's all we want. That's all we should need. I shall not want. That is, I lack nothing that I truly need. Understand this. Sheep left to themselves lack everything. But when the Lord is your shepherd, the one who needs nothing is capable of knowing and then delivering what He knows you need. Jesus' sheep can say at any given moment in life, whatever I don't have, God knows it's something I don't need to have. And whatever I do have, God knows I need to have it. It's pretty simple, right? In this life, I may not have all I want, but I will always have everything I need in Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Another point of application. This is specifically for Christians today. It's on your handout there. Are you Christian happy with Jesus? That's pretty simple. Are you happy with Jesus? Are you? Here's the way it goes sometimes. 
I would be content if I had a better job, if I had a husband, if I had a wife, on and on. If I just had this, I would be content. A dear friend of my wife, which she's my friend as well, I don't, I don't know how old Becky is now, but she's, she's not married. And uh, several years ago, we were having a conversation, and she made this statement. She said, you know, if I could just get married, I'd be content. Now I understand. I understand what's going on there. I, I'm a man, I know. I'm not oblivious. I, you know. On the other side of that, I'd be thinking the same thing probably. But here's what I said to her. You're a Christian, right? You trusted in Christ. You've turned from your sin and you know Jesus is Lord and Savior. She said, absolutely. I said, if you can't be content in Jesus, then a man will never make you content. Nothing this world has to offer us will content us, but Jesus is the shepherd. He, he is my shepherd and I shall not want. Contentment comes from experiencing all that our good shepherd has provided for us. The key to not wanting is to have the Lord as your shepherd. Notice in verses 2 and 3, on your handout, what did the Lord's sheep experience? In verses 2 and 3, the Lord's sheep experienced gracious provisions. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The idea of mate there is not forcing, okay? What David is saying here is that God makes it possible for me to lie down in green pastures. I have a, a book that someone gave me years ago, and it's a, a theologian. He's writing about the 23rd Psalm, but he's telling how sheep act and the things that they do, and he relates it to, obviously, who? Us. But it's a very interesting book, and he has some things to say about sheep. Sheep won't lie down if they're hungry. Some of us have that problem at night, right? Got to have a snack. <laughs> Hand up, milk and a couple of sugar-free cookies before the bedtime. I got, I got to have. At least I do the sugar-free. So they won't lie down if they're hungry. But once they've eaten enough, then they'll contently lie down. And what will they do, farmers? Like a cow, they'll what? They'll chew that cud, right? But until then, they'll stand searching, unsatisfied. Notice where they lie down in green pastures. The sheep are lying down. Why? Because they're where? They're in green pastures. And green pastures, according to this guy who wrote this book, don't happen just by chance. Remember, where does this take place at? Israel, Palestine, bare desert land. You get the visual, right? You see the picture? In this particular book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, here's what he has to say. Green pastures were the product of tremendous labor. Time and skill in land use. Green pastures were the result of clearing rough, rocky land, of tearing out brush and roots and stumps, of deep plowing and careful soil preparation, of seeding and planting special grains, of irrigating with water and carrying. If the sheep were to enjoy green pastures amid the barren brown hills of Bethlehem, the shepherd had a tremendous job to accomplish. Those green pastures just didn't happen because they got a little rain one day and the grass come up. There was a lot of work. David's saying, I can lie down because my soul isn't thirsty. My heart is satisfied with Jesus. What matters more than anything else in this text is who your shepherd is. Is the Lord 
the all-sufficient, self-sustaining, who needs nothing God, Jesus, is He your shepherd? In John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the living water. Pick up on that. Jesus is the bread. And he's the water. Going back to John 6.35, He says, I am the bread of life. I love this verse. Whoever comes to me shall not... Does anybody know what the next word is? Hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, again, I just talked about having to have the, the nighttime snack before bed. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about a physical. He's talking about a spiritual longing. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, you're never going to hunger. Why? Because I am the Lord and you shall not what? Want. I'll content you. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Notice in verse 3, He leads me beside still waters. Just as a sheep can't be content if he's hungry, he can't be content if he's thirsty. Again, let me quote to you from Philip Keller. He says, When sheep are thirsty, they become restless and set out in search of water. Sometimes stubborn sheep. Again, who's the sheep a picture of? Us. Stubborn sheep will not wait for the clean, pure water that the shepherd is leading them to. Amen? They stop to drink from the polluted potholes along the trail, contaminated with the manure and urine of previous flocks. You're getting the visual, right? It satisfies their thirst for a moment, but it will eventually riddle them with parasites and disease. It's the price they pay for instant gratification and not following a shepherd to clear water. Sometimes Christians are like sheep, right? We don't want to wait on the Lord to fulfill our inner longings. We want a quick fix, instant happiness, so we go for the polluted potholes of the world. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus said in John 7.35, again, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and do what? drink. If you're thirsty, if your soul is thirsty, if you're longing as a Christian, you're, you're, you're looking and you're, you're having those days, those times in your life and, and you're struggling. If you're thirsting for your soul to be satisfied, Jesus says, do what? Come to me and drink. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's a, here's a way we can apply this. Your hand out. There's, there's a couple of ways we can apply this. The world is full of wandering, lost people, is it not? There are broken homes, broken hearts, broken lives, broken dreams, no purpose. People struggling to survive in a desert land, thirsty and hungry. They're lost. They're drinking diseased water. Matthew 9.36 tells us that Jesus, seeing the people... He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked at a lost world and He was what? He had compassion for them because they were distressed because they didn't have what? A shepherd to content them. You know what your mission in life is? Your mission is life to point others to the shepherd. It's to join David in saying to our world, Hey, I don't know who you're following, but you really ought to know about my shepherd. Let me tell you about my shepherd. 
couple weeks ago, I was talking with someone, a Christian, a believer. They were in a conversation with someone, and they were asked, how do you know God is real? This person responded, well, I, I don't have all the answers. I can't go through a theological dissertation and explain to you and defend how I know God is real. But here's what I can tell you. Look at my life. Look at how God has changed me. That's how I know God is real. And those of you who are born again today, look at your life and see what God has done in your life to radically change you. Why am I telling you that? We should live in such a way that we can actually say, look at my life. Look at what God has done for me. How He's changed my life. God has done something amazing in my life. We should be in a position to say, the grass really is greener on this side. It really is greener on this side. Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. Uh, sheep are known to stray off the trail and nibble on plants, and they have no idea that some of those plants can be poisonous. They also get separated from the flock, and they're subject to what? Being attacked by predators. This is something else I learned about sheep. This is a very interesting thing. Some of you may know this, but sheep can also become what they call cast. C-A-S-T. Bless their hearts. They roll over on their backs, and they're not able to get themselves back up on their feet. I guess it's because they finally got satisfied eating, maybe. A sheep, what happens if that sheep stays in that position for a long time? He dies. Unless the shepherd helps him get upright, he'll die. The phrase, my soul, simply means my life. The word restore means turning back or refreshing. It is the shepherd, the Lord who revives you when you need strength. It's the Lord who restores you and gets you back on your feet when you stumble and when you fall as a Christian. Amen. We all stumble. We all fall. Your pastor, he stumbles. He falls. But the Lord is the one what? Who restores my soul. He's my shepherd and I shall what? I shall not want. When you start to stray, you're in serious danger and you need restoration. It's the Lord who puts life in proper perspective and helps you see things in a Godward, eternal perspective. There's two ways that God does that. First is His Word. Psalm 19, verse 7, we saw this last week. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. It's the same Hebrew word here in Psalm 23. His Word points out where we're off the path and where, what we must do to be restored. The Word says you're off the path. Here's how you get back on. And secondly, first God uses His Word, but secondly, God uses His people to restore us. God uses us to restore one another. Remember James chapter 5? My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, somebody's wandering and somebody what? Goes and gets him and brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 3, the shepherd gives guidance. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He leads. God doesn't drive. He doesn't pressure. Jesus doesn't drive. He doesn't pressure. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't trick us. He leads us. But notice where He leads us. In paths of righteousness. Underline that if you underline your Bibles. And if you don't, don't. 
His leading is always in the right and proper direction. His paths are paths of what? Church? Righteousness. We need to be clear about this. We live in a day of cheap grace. There are many who claim to know the Good Shepherd, but they don't walk in the path of righteousness. They excuse their sin by saying, We're under grace. Forget the law, we're under grace. But God's Word plainly states in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. If you name Jesus as Lord, Jesus says abstain from wickedness. The shepherd leads his people by his Spirit through his Word to do the right thing, to think the right thing, to say the right thing, to live the right way. How important is the Word of God to our lives? Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. Paths of what? Righteousness. Look again at verse 3. This is, not that it's more important than anything else, but this is powerful here. Why does God do all this? Why reveal His Word and send His Spirit to lead us in paths of righteousness? For His name's sake. God does everything for His glory. Verse 3 tells the Christian that God's name is bound up with our walk as believers. That's a pretty astounding thing. He has chosen to identify His holy name with us. That's pretty amazing. God has, He has chosen to identify His holy name with His people. Jesus doesn't lead us in paths of sinfulness. There is no glory in sin for Jesus. Jesus leads in paths of righteousness. Danny Aiken, which he spoke at our homecoming last year, here's what he says. He meets my needs, renews my life, leads me in the right path, putting his reputation on the line. His name, his glory. God wants everyone to see who he is and what he is like. Who do people look at in this world to see who God is like? They look at his people. And God's leading us in paths of what? Righteousness. John Piper says, God is the beginning and God is the end of all my righteousness. The path of righteousness has His grace as its starting point for He leads me into it. And it has His grace as its destination because His leading is for His name's sake. Application. Christians, when I say you, that's who I'm talking. You need to bring your life into alignment with that goal. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Our life needs to be brought into alignment with that goal. How does that affect you? There's a multitude of ways. For one thing, it should affect your approach to life. Everything I do, parenting, relationships, going to school, getting education, my work, everything should be affected by this. I should, everything I do should be brought into alignment with this goal. I'm doing this to glorify who? My shepherd. It should affect your approach to your serving in church. How you serve in the church is not for your benefit, it's for the benefit of others, but ultimately whose benefit is it for? It's for the glory of God. It will affect your prayer life. And let me give you some practical ways of praying this here. This is quite simple. Lord, use me for your name's sake. Lord, make me holy. 
And why do we want to be holy? For your name's sake. Lord, keep me from evil. For your name's sake. Lord, make me like you. For your name's sake. Do you get it? In case you missed it, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the shepherd. Here today, if you don't know Christ, you're lost. This is what it means to be a Christian, if you're wondering. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is life for the Christian. Why? Because He is the shepherd and He causes you not to want. But before you, He can be shepherd, you've got to belong to Him, right? A shepherd only tends after his own sheep. Jeff, you take care of your cows, right? Every now and then you might help Rex or somebody. Most of you guys, take care, you take care of your own stuff, right? You don't tend to no one else's. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10. I'm going to read these verses again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they... Follow me. And what kind of pass of righteousness? That's not in the text. Excuse me, that's, I'm adding that in. They, they follow me. And listen to what Jesus said. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Coming to Jesus grants what? That you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. And guess what? Once... You are His. Once you repent and turn from your sin and trust in Christ, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. But guess what? Jesus says, once you're mine, you're always mine. I'm one of those who believes, if you're born again, that you cannot lose your salvation. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? You cannot lose your salvation. You will stumble. You will fall. The shepherd what? Will restore your soul. Now, I want to be careful. Those who claim to be Christians, who live their whole lives pursuing paths of what? Wickedness? Jesus says, you're not my sheep. Lost person, it's perish or it's eternal life. Trust in Christ that He may be your shepherd. Let's pray.